Well, good morning, everyone. This is Dr. Paulina Van. I am the author of Regala Healing. And it is great to be with you this morning. And I thank you for joining um, this morning. And we have an incredibly important topic to discuss. And uh, it's self-compassion. And another term for it is how to be your best friend. And so I'm going to um, do begin as we always do with some um, centering. Uh, this morning, we're going to do what's called mindful listening. And you'll see why it's so important for the topic that we're going to discuss this morning. So again, it's always an invitation to you. And uh, we're going to begin by um, asking you to get comfortable if you're sitting or if you're standing, um, get as comfortable as you can. Um, if you happen to be driving, then please don't follow my instructions, but just take some nice deep breaths because as we know, the breath itself is so important in relaxing you and focusing you. And focus is the intention of this mindful um, listening exercise this morning. So I invite you to now lower your gaze so you can go inward and take a nice deep breath in and out. And I like that breath to come from your belly. So take a nice deep breath, slow breath in and out. And now pay attention to the sounds that you hear outside of the room or the space that you are in right now. So are you hearing people talking? Is there music playing out there? Perhaps you're near the street, you can hear cars or trucks going by, maybe a horn there, here and there, okay? So just listen outside your space. Next, I'd like you to pay attention to the sound you hear inside the space or the room that you're in right now. So perhaps you have the heater on, <clears throat> excuse me, and you can hear the, the air coming through the vents. Maybe there are other people in the room or in, in, in the house Maybe there's some cooking going on. It's breakfast time on the West Coast, maybe dinner time, other places in the world. But you can hear the sounds maybe of others. Maybe your pet is meowing or the dog is barking. Take some time to listen right now. And finally, I'd like you to pay attention to what's going on inside of your body. I want you to listen to your body. How does it feel? Okay. So, you know, my stomach is rumbling because I haven't had breakfast yet. So I can hear that and feel that. Perhaps your shoulders are tense or you have an ache in your knee or your foot. Or maybe you're just totally relaxed because this has been a beautiful Sunday. 
for you. A joyous Sunday. So just take time to feel that. Okay, so now we're gonna take a deep breath in and out. And we're gonna end our mindful listening practice now. So before we move on, I wonder, what did you notice? What did you hear as we did our mindful listening? So feel free to put it in the chat or just think about it yourself. What I'd like to do now is to begin with an example that may be familiar to many of you. I know it's very familiar to me. It's a personal experience. So I want, um, I'm going to use male-female dating relationship, but I invite you to modify the story, <clears throat> excuse me, in a way that resonates with you. So it may be partnered, married, or in a committed relationship. So whatever resonates with you. So imagine you get a call from a friend and you say, how are you? And she says, terrible. And she's choking back tears. And you, you continue to listen and she says, you know, that guy that I've been dating, well, he's the first man that I've really been excited about since my divorce. And last night, you're not gonna believe it. He said I was putting too much pressure on him and that he just wants to be friends. And I am devastated. And so you sigh and you say, well, to be perfectly honest, it's probably because you're too old, you're not that good looking, you're boring, and not to mention you're too needy. And your clothes don't fit. You have a bad hair day every day. You know what? If I were you, I'd just give up now because there's really no hope of you finding love. I mean, frankly, you don't deserve it. Now, what I've just said is pretty shocking, isn't it? It's mean and it's cruel. Would you ever talk this way to somebody you really cared about? Of course not. But surprisingly, this is exactly the type of thing we say to ourselves um, in situations that are similar to this. Or even we may even say things that are worse. We may say things that are cruel and harsh and insensitive to our own selves. So with self-compassion, we learn to speak to ourselves like a good friend. We may use words such as, I'm so sorry. How are you right now? You must be so upset. Remember, I'm here for you and I deeply appreciate you. What can I do to help or comfort you? So it may seem awkward or unnatural to respond to yourself in the first place or respond in this caring and soothing manner. Self-critical responses are learned. So I want you to begin now, before you even learn more about what self-compassion is, I want you to begin now this, to let you know that you've learned these responses. And so 
you will model what you've experienced or observed from time um, to time and um, even from your childhood. So let's take this time, okay? And let's look at self-criticism. We gotta look at it if we're gonna address it and kind of minimize it and hopefully get rid of it. Self-criticism is not a motivator. It can get in the way of you being happy and living a healthy life, okay? I call it happily navigating through the world. It can prevent that. Research has shown that it makes us weaker. So self-criticism makes us weaker when we're facing failure, disappointments, emotional um, trauma. Self-criticism is less likely to help us to learn from our failures. Society has taught us to be perfect, to achieve more and win, work harder and be our best. And that's okay if you're not continuing, continuously um, being self-critical of yourself. A self-critical tendency may ultimately get in the way of your goal to be successful, to belong, to be loved. Self-criticism activates the sympathetic nervous system. So, okay, so for you science scientists out there, or those um, really embrace and, and learn in, in, from that perspective, I'm gonna throw in a little physiology, okay? So self-criticism act, criticism activates the sympathetic nervous system. That's that flight or fight response when we perceive danger. And I, I emphasize perceive because it may be actual or imagined. And this response elevates our stress hormones, which are adrenaline and, and cortisol. And that overexposure to these hormones can disrupt our bodily functions and lead to things such as anxiety, depression, headaches, muscle pain, heart disease, sleep disturbance, memory and concentration problems, weight gain. So the impact of self-criticism can stop us from learning and being resilient in face of suffering, failures, and disappointment. A better alternative is self-compassion. And you know, I'm sharing this with you because I have experienced it. And one of the things that um, I have struggled with is this being perfect, you know, being perfect. So that is part of the ingredients of uh, self-criticism. But let's talk about self-compassion. The germination of self-compassion um, is from Dr. Kirsten Neff. She studied locally here in the Bay Area at uh, University of California, Berkeley. She was a doctoral student. And uh, she was going through a really hard divorce. And she found that self-compassion was an antidote to her suffering. And it really changed the way she related to herself. And now she's uh, an educational psychologist working in Texas. But 
Over the last 20 years, um, she spent her life devoted to making self-compassion more accessible and understandable. And there's been a tremendous amount of research making self-compassion, and she now calls it mindful self-compassion, a legitimate, credible element for promoting health and well-being. So how did I get embrace, you know, how did I get to embrace uh, self-compassion? And whenever I share something with you, know that I have embraced it and I practice it. It's not just theoretical. So for the last 15 years, I have immersed myself in reflective practices as a way to deal personally and support others to cope and thrive after life happens, disappointments, loss, life challenges. And so I'm a Reiki master, I'm a healing circles facilitator, a heart math trainer, meditation and mindfulness practitioner, and a Caritas coach. But earlier this year in February, I had, and I'll say the privilege of spending four half days with um, Dr. Neff and her um, collaborator, Dr. Germer, at a mindful self-compassion core skills training event. And I've been in my profession for 46 years. And if this isn't the best, it is among the best trainings I've ever experienced because it changed how I see myself, how I think about myself and how I treat myself. So I've talked a lot about self-compassion. Let me describe, describe it for you. And Dr. Neff keeps it very simple. Self-compassion involves treating yourself as you would your friend that you care about. Okay? Self-compassion means you are kind and understanding when confronted with personal failures. And self-compassion is a strength. It relieves suffering and sufferings used in a, a general way or emotional pain. Okay. So Dr. Neff says in her description of self-compassion that there are three elements, self-kindness, common humanity, and mindfulness. So I'm gonna take us through each of these, beginning with self-kindness, because that's the one that's kind of awkward, right? We treat others really well, um, or at least we try to, and then we forget about ourselves. So self-kindness can be described as treating yourself with care and understanding instead of judging yourself or criticizing yourself. And we say to ourselves um, things sometimes that I mentioned it before that are cruel or mean or harsh or shaming that we wouldn't say to anyone we cared about even those who we may not like very much or have a difficult relationship with. You know, I really like Dr. Neff's twist on the adage, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And her version is, don't do unto others as you would do unto yourself. Interesting, right? With self-compassion, we change the way we relate to ourselves. 
We treat ourselves with kindness, caring, understanding, patience, as we would our friends or someone we cared about. So think about that. I know I'm repeating this, but I really want it to sink in. Self-compassion, it involves at least two major aspects. There's the soothing aspect um, that is comforting yourself like you would a friend, but there's also this kind of fierce aspect in which you stand up for yourself and you protect yourself and you draw boundaries. But today we're gonna talk about the soothing aspect of self-compassion. Next is common humanity. And I really want us to pay attention to this because everyone, we got to know that everyone is imperfect. No one leads a perfect life, no matter what it might look like on the outside. Everybody makes mistakes and feels pain. That's that humanness um, that we share. If we fail or something goes wrong, we feel like we're the only one that makes mistakes or makes these mistakes. You know, and that can lead to you feeling isolated. I know I have experienced that. With self-compassion, we realize that life happens to everyone, no matter where you are, okay? Understanding that we're not alone in our mistakes and weaknesses and failures um, really can give us some comfort. Making mistakes is a human part of everyone's life. Suffering and inadequacies are a part of a shared experience. And I'm going to share my um, one of my many experiences. Well, I was single for 17, 17 years, I was going to say 17 decades, that's what it felt like, but 17 years after divorce. I had no trouble dating, but I wanted to remarry. And, you know, I would say to myself, why can't I find a husband? Okay. I, I have wonderful friends who are married and I was regularly the third wheel. I love them for that. They just took me everywhere with them. But I kept saying, you know, what's wrong with me? Why can't I attract a mate? And so it wasn't until I changed my thinking and my perception about myself, I ended my pity party that I was able to attract the wonderful husband I have uh, today almost three years. So I think we're still newlyweds. My daughter had a lot to do with this. And she said to me, she said, first mama, you have to be the person you want to attract. Pretty sage advice, huh? Um, next, you know, I wrote this um, poem about perfection. And I think I will read it. I have thought about whether I would share it, but I, I think it's appropriate right um, about now. And it's in my book, Regala Healing, and uh, we'll let you know where to get it. It's on my Shopify site. But it's entitled Perfection. Perfection was my aim. Perfection was just a game. 
Perfection had its place. Perfection delayed my pace. Perfection was a deception. Perfection created a false perception. Perfection is no longer my claim. Loving myself with fervor will take me further. So remember, no one's perfect. We are human. And perfect is not the aim. The third and last aspect I'll talk to you about um, self-compassion is mindfulness. Okay, so remember we began uh, our session with a mindful, listening mindfulness exercise. And mindfulness is the foundation of self-compassion. Okay, so it's a key step in compassion. It's your willingness to observe your negative thoughts and emotions with openness and clarity so that they are held in mindful awareness. Okay, so let, let, let me stop there. In order to even address this self-criticism um, and develop an inner ally, you have to recognize, you have to say, I'm doing this. I'm gonna take time and look, as painful as it may be, I'm gonna look at what my thoughts are and I'm gonna be aware of them so I can address them. A classic definition of mindfulness is that it's non-judgmental, a receptive state of mind in which one observes thoughts, feelings as they are without trying to suppress or deny them. You know, we cannot ignore our pain and feel compassion at the same time. You either have a pity party or you're good, you know, kind to yourself. You must step aside and step outside of yourself and ask, what do you need? Validating our emotions without criticizing ourselves. Okay. Well, if you're not convinced yet that self-compassion is important, let me give you what um, some of the benefits of self-compassion. Okay. So the more compassionate you are or increased self-compassion is associated with, and all these are greater, life satisfaction, wisdom, happiness, optimism. You're going to have better relationships. You're going to be more compassionate uh, with others, socially connected. You're going to be more resilient when you're coping more self-worth, positive body image in your mind. Also, this not only works personally, but your self-compassion can translate to performance and success uh, in anything you try to do, and including work. So know that it's okay to fail. And I wanna share something with you. I'm a professor in a local university. And students are, you know, the, the A is the goal, right? The A is the goal. And um, not everybody is capable or even wants to achieve an A, but a lot of people are able to. So when students fall short of their personal goal or 
the standards of, of the course, you know, they beat themselves up. And my approach um, with my students um, is to say, what, you know, look at what happened. How did you prepare? How did you, you know, prepare to perform? How did you prepare to create? So take a look at that. But also know that failures or performing below your goal can be a learning experience. So instead of putting that energy into the past and, oh my goodness, you know, I'm no good, I'm a failure, my parents are gonna be upset, I encourage them to use, to move that energy into looking at their failure as an opportunity to do better. And we work together to, you know, to make that happen. So when you, when you fail or come across someone who has failed or not met their goal, encourage them to, you know, okay, the past is gone. What you can do is be in the present and make that difference, okay? All right. Self-compassion is also associated with a lower tendency to be self-critical. So that's our goal. To experience depression and anxiety symptoms and also lower that perfectionism bar. Lastly, what I want to do with us this morning um, is I want to share with you a practice to boost your, your self-compassion. Um, and um, there are many ways, and you know, there's so much I want to tell you this morning, and we may have to have a part two. But this is called uh, a self-compassion break that's been developed by Dr. Neff. And so we're gonna start first with finding for you a physical gesture or touch that feels supported, supportive, okay? okay. So I'm gonna show you four of them and then I'd like you to choose the one that works for you. And we're gonna use it um, later in, in the uh, practice, okay? So I always wanna give you tools for your toolbox. So the first um, gesture is putting your hands over your heart. And I know I'm lifting my hands a little higher than my heart, but I'd like you to see it. And just feel the warmth of your hands and your hands touching your skin, okay? Just see how that feels for you. Is that your comforting gesture? The next one I like to offer you is that make a fist, put it on your heart. Again, I'm raising it a little higher so you can see. And the fist for some people represents strength and courage and power. And so just put your hand over there, over your fist, and see if that's a comforting gesture for you. Okay. Number three is hold your hands like this, but put them on your belly, okay? Put them on your belly. And maybe you can feel as you breathe in and out, your belly rising and falling. 
but feel the warmth from your hands and see if that's a soothing, comforting gesture. And then the last one I'd like to offer you is putting your hands on your face. Just cupping, embracing your face and see if that works. All right. So why is it important to have a soothing gesture? Because it kind of cuts through the mental chatter and helps you to go straight towards comforting your, yourself. So we're gonna begin the practice and I'll let you know when I need you to do your soothing and comforting gesture. I invite you to lower your gaze or close your eyes and this will help you to go inward because this practice is about going inward. Okay. Thank you. Now think of a situation in your life that is difficult that is causing you some stress. So it may be relationship, it may be work, it may be your health. Now, because we're practicing, I ask that you don't choose something that's just overwhelming, but just choose something that's kind of causing you a bit of stress. Call that situation to mind. Specifically, what was said? What did you say? What did the other person or people say? What happened? What were you afraid would happen? Okay. And as you call the situation of mind, I want you to actually feel the stress and the emotional discomfort in your body. So for me, my chest gets tight or my stomach starts to hurt. My shoulders may get tense. So you have that in mind. What I'm gonna do now is to begin saying phrases to evoke those three aspects of self-compassion. Okay. So we're gonna begin with mindfulness. Okay. So I'm gonna say again, some phrases to bring this to the forefront so that you can recognize what's causing you stress. This is a moment of suffering. You may also say, this hurts, or ouch, or this is stress. So if neither of those work for you, think of your phrase that will help to bring this um, to the forefront of your thinking. Next, we're going to talk about common humanity. Remember, we all are imperfect. Suffering is a part of life, you may say to yourself. Or other people feel this way. I'm not alone. We all struggle in our lives. Do any of those work for you? If not, Think of your own. Lastly, we're going to call and do that soothing gesture before we do self-kindness, okay? So my favorite one is hands over heart. 
Sometimes it's the belly, but today I'm gonna do hands over heart. And we're gonna do the self-kindness. Okay. So some of the things you might say to yourself is, may I be kind to myself? Or you can say, ask yourself a question. What do I need to hear right now to express kindness to myself? Okay. Do you need to say any of the following? May I give myself the compassion that I need? May I learn to accept myself as I am? May I forgive myself? May I be strong? May I be patient? Now, this is the end of the practice. This practice can be used any time of day or night, and it will, it will help you to remember the three aspects of self-compassion when you need it most. And I'd like to end, um, and, and this poem I intended to read um, to you, and it's about self-love, because at the end of the day, Self-compassion is also really loving yourself. And in the future, I'm gonna do a whole session on self-love as well, but I wanna read this to you. And it's again, it's from my book, Regala Healing. It's on page 60 for those of you who have the book or look at the book, and I hope you do. Self-love is paying attention. Self-love is without hesitation. Self-love is clarity of mind. Self-love is hard to find. Self-love is filled with compassion. Self-love is unending passion. Self-love is a positive inner voice. Self-love is a necessary choice. Self-love is an act of kindness. Self-love is not mindless. Self-love is without a judge. Self-love is a gentle nudge. Self-love is restful sleep. Self-love is what I keep. And so as we end today, I wanna to thank you um, for spending this time. Um, and I just wanna leave you with this. And that is be kind to yourself. You deserve it. Love and light. This is Dr. Paulina Van, the author of Regala Healing. Thank you for joining today, and I hope to see you the next time.